We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He is the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. And we have a 49ers victory to talk about. We're not going to get into the kind of the, the X's and O's of, of how the 49ers went about beating the Rams 31 to 10, but we are going to get into kind of the bigger picture stuff and what we took away from this game that either means the 49ers are, are right back in it or, or uh, why they might not be. But it's a 49ers win. We're going to talk about it. Let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Are the 49ers back? <laughs> um, so the, the the big takeaway for me, and it's sort of similar to coming out of the Bears game, was like, to, to me, the identity never left. Like, we sort sure. of knew what the formula had to be. It was just the team's inability to get there throughout the season, right? Like, I think you mm-hmm. and I would both agree, and we both said it here, that, like, they need the running game to work. That makes things easier uh, on Jimmy Garoppolo. And then all of a sudden, the things that they hadn't done, um, like force turnovers and win the turnover battle, and you know you get some breaks, like those things start happening for you. And then you win football games. So like, you know, we talk about this team in the context of 2019. And in 2019, this is basically how they won the vast majority of their games, right? And the right. conversation then was, well, you know, could early on in that season, it was they, they haven't beaten anybody. But I think what stood out about how good they were at that point was they were able to follow the same formula week after week and were really consistent. Right. Like no matter who they were playing, the 49ers could run the ball. They could dictate tempo. They could play defense. They could force turnovers. And ultimately, that's a really good formula for winning games. So we knew that existed. The difference between this year's team, aside from all the roster stuff, is that ability to do it week after week, right? 
So yeah, mm-hmm. like it's obviously positive to win a game, but like the Bears game, the Bears win feels like it didn't mean nearly as much. I mean, obviously it does in the standings, but it didn't feel like nearly as valuable because the next week they just come back, they came back and laid an egg against the Cardinals. So mm-hmm. now, fortunately for the Niners, they get the Jacksonville Jaguars up next and the Minnesota Vikings up next and then Seattle after that. And they have an opportunity to write the ship here, but they have to do this over and over and over again. So like the identity thing to me never really went away. It was just their inability to get to it. That had been their issue. And then, you know, they, they also, so like, yeah, they're in a really, they're, they're in a much better spot having beat the Rams now, because at least they can like, they have a win that they can point at and say, that was a really good win. Like all wins are good wins, but like beating the lions on, the road in week one where the Lions almost come back and tie it after you're up by you know three touchdowns like Mm -hmm. that's a much less impressive win uh you know than than beating the Rams right like going to Philadelphia and beating an Eagles team that's not particularly good like that wasn't all that impressive and beating Chicago wasn't all that impressive either so now and they were down they were down to Chicago at the half Right. They played terribly in that first half right they they really only got one good half in that game and fortunately for them it was enough. But the point here is now like, okay, they, they, they can firmly establish that they can hang with anybody and beat anybody on any given game. They just need to be really sound. They need to um, maintain their physicality. And for whatever reason, I mean, it was, it was interesting in that, you know, they had, they ran the ball 44 times, which was Mm -hmm. the most uh, of the season. And the only other time they had eclipsed 40 was 2019. I think they did it six times, including the playoffs that year. And, and both they, they hit 40 runs in both the Minnesota and Packers playoff game. And I think they had 23 mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, 23 or 28, something like that. Um, the point being is like last week against the Cardinals, they ran the ball 11 times, which is the lowest they had since Kyle Shanahan was hired. Mm-hmm. And then they follow that up with the with the most with the most rushing attempts of the season. So it's very clear that that is their formula. They need to they need to be able to run the ball. And what stood out to me, too, was like Kyle Shanahan said after the Cardinals game, well, we wanted to pass it a lot um, because the Cardinals were loading the line of scrimmage with six defensive linemen and, the, and basically taking away the running game. The 49ers struggled to win like that. I know they, they lost in part be, because of, you know, the fumbles and stuff, and they did have some explosive plays. But ultimately, the difference between the 49ers and a playoff team you might feel more inclined to trust is that that those other teams can win can win in different ways right and now we know the 49ers can win when they can run the ball but if you take away the running game can they win th- through the air and i think that's still a question about jimmy garoppolo and ultimately kyle shanahan still has that question too because of what he did with trey lance so i uh it's it's a definitely a good win it's a huge step in the right direction for them um but now you need to like string these types of performances together week after week otherwise um, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself outside the playoff picture. And I, I definitely think they can get there. Like, I think they're better than Carolina and Atlanta and Minnesota and those other teams in the, in the mix for the seven seed. And even, you know, like it wouldn't surprise me if the Niners had a better record than New Orleans, you know, obviously with their quarterback issues. Right. So they're in a good spot. They, they, they have a opportunity to get in the playoffs because the NFC just isn't all that strong outside of like the top four or five teams. Yeah, I want to go back to the 
I want to go back. I want to go back to the running game real quick. Okay. The thing that impressed me the most, and I think the most encouraging. I, I mean, you could take this two ways. It was encouraging to me though, because Elijah they didn't they didn't have any real like explosive plays in the run game. Elijah Mitchell's longest run of the night was 17 yards. And in that Bears game, we saw I think he had like three carries of, of 27 or more yards. I mean, there were it was there were these big chunk plays. But what they did, and the reason I think that this is a sustainable formula for them, that they just hadn't really been able to get to, and this is against a defensive line with Aaron Donald and Von Miller getting involved, and Leonard Floyd's been a good player for them. They stuck with the run game in a way that I don't think they really have at any point this year. And they were getting themselves in, okay, run on first down, it's second and eight. Run on second down, it's third and four, third and five. They didn't have many outside of, you know, when they had a bad snap by Alex Mack and some penalties, they didn't have any of these really third and 11, 12, 13s. And I think staying ahead of the sticks, that's where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be at his very best. And you can't, like you said, at some point you're going to have to drop back and, and, and win by throwing the football for sure. Um, but if they're consistently getting Garoppolo in spots where he can go 15 of 19 for a buck 82 and a couple touchdowns and just distributing the ball to Debo Samuel and to George Kittle and to Brandon Ayuk in situations where the whole playbook's kind of open and the defense still has to respect the run game a little bit on third and four because those explosive runs are going to be there. I was I was really encouraged by what I saw offensively. There were no there were no points in the game where it was like, Oh, well, if that didn't happen or, you know, you have this excuse or oh, there was that bad penalty. They were just kind of really sound and managed to churn out 24 offensive points without, without, you know, the benefit of, you know, a missed tackle that, that led to a 50 yard run or, or a really short drive that, I mean, the 18 plays and 93 yards and 11 minutes like that, that was just a methodical beatdown of a really, really good team. Yeah, I I agree on with with everything you said and and I also, you know, getting Jeff Wilson Jr. back and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but I I think it's pretty clear now that like as good as Elijah Mitchell is, the way the 49ers want to play requires them having two good running backs. Yes. And and Jeff Wilson Jr., although his numbers weren't weren't great um or like weren't prodigious, uh you know, he was an important part of that game. I'm, I'm looking up as he had, he had 10 carries for 28 yards. So like, obviously 2.8 yards per carry isn't, isn't great, but just the fact you had somebody else, because there were a few runs in there that was, you know, six, seven yards. And those are big for drives. Like those, the mm-hmm. 49ers had a lot of short third downs and they were in position to convert a lot of third and twos and third and threes, um, which, which was obviously huge for them. And so, you know, Elijah Mitchell now, Kyle Shanahan said uh, in, in his conference call on Tuesday, we're recording this Tuesday evening, that Elijah Mitchell broke his finger in that game at some point. And, um, you know, he's going to be day to day. He's going to have surgery to put a pin in it, uh, which I think sounds similar to what Marcel Harris had. And he didn't miss any time, but that was coming out of the bye week. Um, he's also a linebacker who doesn't need his hands as much. Right, exactly. He played with a club on his hands. So it, it might be that Mitchell misses a game or two. Um, if, if he doesn't post a photo of the pin after it gets taken out, I'm done with them. Ew, gross. <laughs> That's what Russell Wilson did. Oh, is it? Okay. And everyone freaked attention. out. He's like, Oh, he's back. Where's it, the pin? 
Russell Wilson's performative injury recovery was just unbelievable <laughs> and then in Rappaport goes he trained 19 hours a day like wolverine wolverine he heals you he wouldn't then, even need to oh god dude it's so ridiculous and, and it's like course, he's a good player we don't need to heap the bullshit on <laughs> it was i really enjoy just like you know the the b-roll of russell wilson like doing football things like closely monitored monitored by somebody it's like what are we doing like why does this That's... need to be filmed <laughs> i need anyway. i need when you're out of practice this week i need any elijah mitchell antics we're, not we're even not, antics actions if he's hurt we're not allowed to film him you can't you, oh. you're not allowed to film injured injured players even so. if he's like on the field in like a no contact jersey I'm guessing that he's not going to be, I mean, he's having, I think he had surgery today. So yeah, I'm, I wouldn't expect him to practice on Wednesday. Regardless. Well, if he is, I need video of it. Okay, sure. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get that, but, but um, Thanks. the, the point being like, compare him to an X-Man going, Cyclops, <laughs> something. going back to the running game. I think it is really important that you have multiple running backs that you trust. And the 49ers hadn't really at this point. And, and ultimately Elijah Mitchell had a season high in carries with 27 and the 49ers still needed some from Jeff Wilson jr. And Debo Samuel. And, you know, let's, we can talk about Debo, like just, it's so impressive, right? Because he does so much for them, whether it's, run the ball in key situations, whether it's make key completions on third downs. Like he, it feels like all year he's made a lot of big third down conversions. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was responsible for pretty much all of their explosive plays on the game. Um, He didn't have any drops. The drops were an issue. I think Jimmy Garoppolo completed all five of his passes to Debo. Um, The fourth down play was big. I know the Niners were blowing him out at that point, but just like I want to talk about that play in particular. So let's put a pin in that. And and so we'll we'll talk about Debo. Really good game from Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Mm -hmm. Just like a really good game from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's he hit every pass on that opening touchdown drive, which sort of set the tone, right? Like I think he had three or five completion, five completions, five five for five for thirty-eight straight. And a really nice throw on the touchdown. A really nice throw on the touchdown. The 49ers were really good on third and third down. Jimmy Garoppolo completed seven of nine uh, on third and fourth down for, I think it was 123 yards. And both of his touchdown passes came on third or fourth down. Um, So it was a really good game from Jimmy Garoppolo and, and a really good game for Kyle Shanahan. I, I thought, you know, getting back to the run this week was, was obviously really important and really effective. And, um, and, you know, when you can run the ball like that, I do think it makes life a lot easier on Jimmy Garoppolo. And and that's yep. just, it's very clear that that's the type of brand you need to play when Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback. Um, but if you can get into that game script, then I think, I think you can be a really tough team to beat if you're not turning the ball over. If you're running yep. the ball well, you're not turning the ball over. Um, you're making tackles on defense and, and you're getting turnovers when they gift them to you. Then, then that's a formula for a team to win enough games to get into the playoffs. But again, you just have to do that week after week. And so we'll, you know, if Elijah Mitchell's hurt, that's certainly an issue. We don't know what the right tackle situation is going to be because Jalen Moore left the game early with a knee sprain. Um, and um, so, you know, they're they're just there. Are, there are questions about how repeatable this is, and there are questions about 
just in the short term, given those injuries. And there are questions about their ability to win when Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw 35 times, but um, it's a great step in the right direction for them. And looking at the schedule now, um, you know, I'm not NFL people one week at a time. You never look ahead, but like the Niners have three. Any given Sunday, Chris. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw the Jags beat the bills a couple weeks ago. So it's like, Mm -hmm. um, but then the Jags and then the Jags hung with Indianapolis for 60 minutes in Indy last week. I, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for the Niners on Sunday. No. It's a short week. The Jags it's, are tough. It's <laughs> it's the short week, and it's one of the longest trips they can make. Um, they, they, I say the Jags are tough. The 49ers should win, but it's not like they're – they have a good quarterback, a good young quarterback, and they can rush past for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they, you know, the 49ers need to play well to win. It's it's not yes. going to be a game – they're not good enough to go in there with the C-plus effort and, and win, I don't think. Like they need it. They need at least a B, a B effort to, to get by Jacksonville. I have two things I want to get to from Monday night. I want to, uh, one's at the beginning, one's at the end. I'm going to start with the beginning. How about Jimmy Ward? Yeah. Two interceptions in the first quarter after having two in seven years. That's good for him. Yeah. I refinanced all my property on Jimmy Ward Island. Um, yep. feeling great big about time it. Moved by you. Yep. <laughs> Um, I think longtime podcast listeners will know that you and I are both um, avid, avid Jimmy Ward people and the originators of of Jimmy Ward Island. And uh, it was good to see him to make those plays because, um, you know, Jimmy's a good dude. And he uh, he tried like getting turnovers like that is like what he focuses on more than anything. And he hadn't gotten an interception since December 2016 which is crazy to think about as a free safety who's been on, you know, some, some pretty good defenses and did uh, you and just have, you remember who he intercepted. It was against the jets. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember the quarterback. I think it was Bryce Petty. Oh, that's why I don't remember the quarterback. I don't remember that. game. <laughs> Honestly, I don't yeah, remember. The, I, I do. The Niners, the Niners were up like 17, nothing at half. And then the Jets came all the way back and won 23-17. Like there are games, you know, like I've covered the team since 2013 and there are games in some of the losing seasons in like November and December that I have zero recollection of. Yeah. Just none. They just, it's just a blur. Yeah. It's just a blur. You're Um, like, they sucked. (laughs) That's, and that's the only thing that like your, your brain remembers. But yeah, I do want to Bryce Petty getting picked by Jimmy Ward was I I, I don't even know what the play looks like. I don't need <laughs> that. Head. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I just I just remember that game for some reason. Um, So there was there have been a couple times over the last couple of years where Jimmy Ward's been really close to getting that interception. Mm-hmm. So if I felt good for him that he just got an easy one. Receiver stopped running, quarterback overthrew it, and just hit the free safety in the chest. Like, I feel like that happens all the time around the NFL where you see a quarterback just make a bad throw and the safety's just there. Didn't even do anything. He was just happened to be in the right spot. And I've always wondered, it's like, man, I feel like the Niners just never get those for their for their safeties. And and they got one. And the second one was a genuinely really good play. Yeah. I mean, it was a drop by Tyler Higby, but it was a good play. Yeah, he got in the area. Yeah. caught the tip and then yeah. didn't it go down. It, it was a good play. And and that just speaks to the importance of turnovers. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the yeah. difference, it totally change again. 
it completely changed the game. Like the Niners getting up 14 nothing allowed them to run the ball even after um the Rams made it 14-7. Like that was as close as it got. And also like just a really bad Matt Stafford game. He was brutal. It was really bad. Like the Niners had at least two other passes that they probably should have picked. Maybe three. I <laughs> he wasn't uh, Steve... good. He wasn't good at all. And then the Rams were really jarred, I think, by the loss of Robert Woods in the middle of the week. Yeah. Because you already have your game plan installed. Right? Like you install your game mm-hmm. plan for a Monday night game on Wednesday, which is essentially Tuesday. Like you come up with a game plan on Wednesday, you install it on Thursday. Uh, and Friday, and I think they lost Woods, what, on Friday? hmm <laughs> And so, like, it was very clear. I think that that loss was sort of underrated in terms of, like, the perception of the game going in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Niners here, but it was just, like, the, the how the game went was very clear that the Rams were just way off kilter, and the 49ers were able to benefit from that. As a person who has, for a long time, defended Matt Stafford, it was not a not a good look for me. I'm with you. He was uh, he was abysmal. He was everything that like Stafford detractors say that he is. Right. He was like, and it wasn't even like the Niners' pass rush wasn't awesome. Like it was okay, and and Nick Bosa had a sack, but uh, Arden Key had a sack. But it, it was just he was just bad, just overthrowing guys and making bad decisions, and is ugh. Yeah. And Odell Beckham Jr. Like a lot was made of that signing last week. I think, you know, rightfully so. It's a big story. But like him coming in, you know, he played what, 15 snaps, something like that. The fact that he played on Monday was never it should have was never going to be a big deal. Yeah. He had two practices. Yeah, it was. He wasn't going to come in and like have 12 catches for 140 yards or anything. Um. But yeah, I mean, the the Niners benefited. This is what happens in the NFL. Sometimes you play Mm -hmm. teams that don't play well and you get some breaks. And those a lot of, you know, the 49ers hadn't gotten those breaks to this point. So that's that's part of the game. I mean, that's 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 what happens. And you have to make yourself available to take advantage. And that's exactly what the 49ers did. Those are the breaks. Curtis Blow. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about was the fourth and five play Mm -hmm. where Niners are up 24 seven fourth quarter still in that weird range where like a turnover could really like change the game. And Kyle Shanahan elects to go for it on fourth and five from the Rams 40 and puts it in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. In like I said, a spot where a turnover could swing the game. And I thought the fact that he did that in a season defining game or a season saving game I should say um was was pretty telling because I'm not sure that he does that in week one but we've seen a couple really good weeks from Garoppolo he was really good Monday night and the Niners get a first down there and extend their driving at any points I mean it, it it ices the game so he put the ball in Garoppolo's hands with I mean, to, to seal it. And then Debo Samuel made an incredible play after, uh, after the catch. But um, that, was, uh, that was really telling for me. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing ball passes into tight windows and hitting guys on the run all night. And it was mm-hmm. that, that's Jimmy Garoppolo's game, right? Like when, when 
it, when you're when you put him in advantageous situations, he can make those plays from time to time. And and he had he's been really good these last three weeks. I, I push back a little bit. There are a lot of like um, quarterback stats going around, like Jimmy Garoppolo over the last few weeks. Sure. This isn't to say Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been been good, but people talking about Jimmy Garoppolo relative to the other quarterbacks in the league, like Jimmy Garoppolo has been the best quarterback in the NFL over the last three weeks. Okay, like okay. Like you can make a case statistically, but also like Tom Brady had a bye week. Russell Wilson's been out. Aaron Rodgers was out. Kyler Murray's been out. Dak Prescott was out and then had a bad game against Denver. And it's not, he doesn't it, need to be, he's been good. He's been good. I just, you know, I, I, the context of Jimmy Garoppolo leads the NFL in, in QBR over the last three weeks. Like that's not, it's like, okay, he's been good, but let's, he's not the best quarterback in the league right now. <laughs> like, let's, let's relax. But, um, yeah, Jimmy deserves a lot of credit. You know, like he he's put up with a lot of shit this season, including from us. Not that he listens to us and necessarily puts puts up with it directly, but like he doesn't. I can I commend <laughs> Garoppolo. Like this is a really tough to tough position for anybody to be in, let alone as a quarterback for a high profile team uh, that, you know, like even like no matter what the Warriors are doing or whatever, like I feel like no position is more scrutinized in the Bay area in the sports scene than the 49ers quarterback. Right. And like Jimmy Garoppolo has had to bear all of that and, and is a target of of a lot of criticism from us. And, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it and it's not, you know, he's getting paid highly. So like, that's part of the job, but also like I commend him for just being able to bounce back and being a good teammate through all of it. Um, not complaining, you know, I don't get the sense that Jimmy Garoppolo has ever complained and he has every right to complain. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, like if he could have given the 49ers a double birds, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And he might, he might later on in his career, like we might hear like after his career, he's like, man, that, that really pissed me off. Like, et cetera. But he's not doing that now. He's being a good teammate. Mm -hmm. He's helping his team win games and he plays, he's played really well. And, and you and I have always said like Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of playing well. And he's, Mm -hmm. he's typically gotten better at this point of the year, right? Like a lot of his best games have come in November and December. Um, And so maybe he's getting to that point. Like, does Jimmy Garoppolo take it up a level? Like, we'll see. I I won't call it taking it up a level until Garoppolo starts, starts making those plays further downfield, right? Like where you can, where you can actually lighten up the box by being able to go downfield. The 49ers had some explosive plays in the passing game, but they're still short passes. Right. Right. And so, like, ultimately, I think in Kyle Shanahan's mind, he would love to have a quarterback who can throw 50 yard bombs and also run the ball effectively. I think he understands Mm -hmm. that having that balance is really important, but he clearly doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to be that kind of quarterback. And he never really has, to be frank, like he's done. He's he's done it a couple times and there are a few games you can point to, but it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo is like Matt Stafford just hucking it 40 yards downfield. It's, It's consistency. Yeah. It's always been the it's always been the thing with him. Can he do that consistently? I don't think so at this point, but can he do what he did last night where you get third and five, convert that third down. Mm-hmm. You get into the red zone, convert in the red zone. Like that's that that's that's enough for for what this version of the 49ers offense is with playmakers like George Kittle and and Debo Samuel and <laughs> theoretically Brandon Ayuk. Like the they you know the stretching the field i think is is ideal but i just don't think that that's necessarily what they need to be the maximized version of this offense right 
and it start it starts in the run game and, and putting Garoppolo in those positions where it is, you know, second and four, third and five, um, and in areas where those short throws are the most effective. Yeah. And I, and I think too, like we, we know we have a better idea of what like the ceiling of the Niners offense can be right. Because, you know, George Kittle has been in and out of the lineup and he hasn't, he hasn't been healthy this year. And like mm-hmm. it, last night's or Monday night's game goes to show how valuable he is because he's out there pancaking Von Miller on running plays. And he's also there as one of the better third down options in the league, perhaps. Right. And so, and he's scoring touchdowns in the red zone this year, um, which is a little bit different. Not that obviously he scored touchdowns, but George Kittle to this point had not been like a go-to red red zone guy. He'd been a big play tight end. Um, And so, yeah, like they, they have an opportunity if Jimmy Garoppolo continues to play at this level and stays healthy, that they're going to be a tough team to beat, but they just cannot shoot themselves in the foot. And they didn't get one thing they didn't do last night. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have one of those throws where you like, Oh, Jimmy, what are you doing? You know, like there weren't any of those, there weren't any drops, you know, really easy dropped interceptions, which seem to come like when Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing well, they're like three or four of those passes a game. And Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo is turning the ball over. And the pass protection was okay last night. A lot of it was just because the running game was so effective. Um, I thought Daniel Brunskill had a nice game against Aaron Donald. You know, I'm, He I'm apparently not... dominates Aaron Donald and has no <laughs> idea against anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it was Aaron Donald was pretty quiet. And I understand, you know, the Niners were running away from him and stuff. But there still were a few plays where, like, Brunskill held up just fine against Donald. And you know, credit to him. I mean, I, I haven't been the, the biggest Daniel Brunskill guy on this pod, particularly in the way, you know, we talk about Aaron Banks and stuff, but it was, um, it was a, a very good performance from a team that needed one. They definitely took it personally. They were embarrassed about the, the Cardinals game and the, the punt, the pendulum swung in, in the other direction. And now they just need to harness whatever it is that got them playing at that level and continue it uh, throughout the season. Because if, if they can't replicate it, then it's like, all right, you're probably a 500 team at best. Um, and you might be out of the playoffs and ultimately it'll be a disappointing season, but if they can harness it, then, you know, maybe they can get to the six seed, you know, maybe they can be in a position yeah. to where they're not, you know, playing the, playing the two seed and on the road in the first round of the playoffs, like, you know, maybe that's going to Green Bay or, you know, uh, Dallas or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, ultimately, like looking at it right now, and I asked Tracy, I went on Tracy's pod, Tracy Sandler's new podcast. I think it's called the Tracy Sandler show. Um, <laughs> I went on today and I asked her because I, I was curious her opinion, like what's what defines a successful season for the 49ers now that they're four and five? And so I think we both agree, Tracy and I agreed on that, like it would be winning a playoff game would, at, would constitute as a successful season. Um, where do you stand on that? What do you think? Like, because I don't, I don't think getting to the playoffs would be necessarily, I, I wouldn't classify that as successful. I think they, they would need to win a playoff game at least one to, for me to say like, yeah, that was, that was a successful season given the circumstances. Um, I, I hate this, but let me explain. It depends to me (laughs) because if they, if they, if they get to seven and five, all right, let's say, let's say they win in Jacksonville and then knock off the Vikings at home and then go on the road to Seattle and win. And that gets them to seven and five, but then they go two and three, the rest of the way. 
and stumble into the playoffs and lose in the first round, then probably not. But if they go, if they wind up 10 and six and 10 and seven, if they wind up 10 and seven and they play really well and they beat the Rams in LA to like, you know, punch their ticket and then they go uh, into Dallas and, and lose in the first round. I, I, I don't think that that's, I think you kind of look at it and go, wow, they started three and five and they, they won seven of their last nine and, you know, lost to a good Dallas team on the road, you know, so be it. But if they stumble in at nine and eight and don't look particularly good down the stretch, but then go in and, and win in Dallas or, or in green Bay, then I think you start looking and saying it was, it was, it was a successful year. Yeah. Okay. I think that made sense. That was a lot of numbers. Just, yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah, for the most part, they have to go win a playoff game. Yeah, I, I would because all like the thing for for me has always been that the season's successful if you accomplish at least one of two things: you either win games and go to the playoffs, um, and you can say, yeah, what, our expectation is the Super Bowl, and we're going to be really upset if we don't win the Super Bowl, like. Okay, fine. Only one team's happy at the end of the year. I get it. That's a bad cliche for a reason. But like mm-hmm. also, you know, like getting to the playoff, you so you either need to win games and get to the playoffs or develop Trey Lance. Right? Like to me, those you need to accomplish at least one of those things for the season to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like they're punting on the Trey Lance development thing, at least for now. And then, you know, their goal is to make the playoffs. So make the playoffs, win a playoff game, then I would consider it a successful season. And look, if they lost a playoff game, I'm not like firing Kyle Shanahan or calling for his job or anything like that. Right. Getting to the playoffs is obviously better than not getting to the playoffs. But in terms of how you define success based on the expectations coming into the year, I think they needed to win a playoff game because they were a betting favorite to win the NFC West, which is, you know, the second best division in the league right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's um I think it, it makes for a much more interesting, much more interesting second half of the year. And also if they do come back and make a playoff run, they'll have a game that you can point to. Yes. Say like, yes. okay. It it sort this of started the, around yeah. that Rams game. Yeah. Uh and then we would be able to be like, hey, the Arizona loss is actually good. <laughs> it started the- <laughs> I don't know. I was that. dreading uh we need to get to pick six, but I was dreading a 49ers loss to LA because the pod would have been the same quarterback conversation again. (laughs) And I was like, I know where we all stand on that. So I'm glad we got to do something different. It was nice. (laughs) I woke up Monday just to tell you how, uh, tell you how wrong I was throughout, throughout Monday before, before the game, I woke up Monday thinking like, man, this has a potential to be like the Niners reckoning in the way that the 2019 game when the Niners went down and whooped up on the Rams in like October was, you remember that when it like the Niners hadn't beaten anybody, but then they went down to the Rams and like just completely dominated them at the Coliseum. And then after the game, oh, it, was like, yeah, yeah. it was like, no, the Niners are for real. I yeah. thought the opposite might happen with like the Rams coming and just taking the 49ers lunch on their home field and be like, okay, well, the Rams are legit contenders, and now it's very clear that there's a difference in the direction these organizations are going. Um, but I was wrong, and I'm not. I, I, I too was very wrong. 
I, my concern, and the reason I'm so encouraged by what happened Monday is I thought they would come out with their hair on fire against Arizona. Yeah. Especially, I mean, Kyler Murray's out, DeAndre Hawkins out. This is a game that's there for the taking going into a huge Monday night game against the Rams. And with how flat they came out, my concern was that they were just kind of done with this season. And it was going to be really hard to then get up for the Rams, who, I mean, just added Von Miller. They just added Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, they're coming off a bad loss to Tennessee. It yeah. just all the all the stars were kind of aligning for this to be the the knockout blow for San Francisco. And um, they they like proved us both wrong. And that that's why I was encouraged. The fact that they could pick themselves off the mat, pick themselves up off the mat and then go have a vintage Kyle Shanahan era 49ers performance was, um, you know, I think that bodes really well for them moving forward. My dad texted me. Um, my, my dad's traveling right now. And my dad has, has always had this philosophy on NFL games where just like he always thinks the opposite of what is expected to happen happens. So he's like, you know, we'll always sort of like bet each other, like, you know, fake, fake bets or whatever, like teams and uh, pick teams and games and stuff like that. And he was all over the Niners this week. And I was like, why? It's like, because huh. nobody thinks they're going to win. Everyone thinks they're going to get their ass kicked. So I'll take them. And I was like, okay. Like, because you, it, you can hey, only go tell off. Charles to hand me these betting tips. <laughs> Come well, on. He, he. I, I mean, we can only go off the information we have. So if the Niners aren't converting any third downs and if they're losing to Colt McCoy without DeAndre Hopkins on their home field, it's really tough for me to be like, yeah, I'm taking them against the Rams. Duh. Yeah. You know, but he's and then he, he jokes. He's like, the NFL is so predictable. I'm like, all right, smart guy, relax. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's always been his philosophy. And I, and I should have I should have given that more credence this week because of just how yeah. much dirt. Everybody was nobody believes in us. Theory. Yeah, no, the nobody believes in us theory. So we'll, so see. Much we'll see if that nobody sticks. In potential. We'll see if that sticks. Now that the 49ers are probably going to be favored favored uh, for the uh, for Sunday's game against against Jacksonville. Because my dad, Drake logic, Patrick, any Drake or Patrick Ewing theory potential? <laughs> well, the my dad's logic of of picking you know the underdog or what's unexpected would be that the Niners would lay a stinker this week. So we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see what what's right and what's wrong. All right, that's fair. I'm <laughs> betting the house on the Jags, <laughs> per the advice of your dad. No, um, real quick, just to just to touch on the Drake Kirkpatrick thing. We're recording this Tuesday evening. Drake Kirkpatrick was uh, waived by the 49ers, but you mentioned this, and it's a it's a great point. That move is not just oh, the 49ers released a journeyman veteran defensive back. Yeah, there's kind of more to it. Yeah, it's they they might actually be willing to play the rookies now. Hey. <laughs> Which is it just felt like such a weird it, so we're talking about Diamondor Lenore and Ambry Thomas who haven't really played it much played at all really since the first two weeks of the season. I guess the first three weeks Lenore played a, a lot against the Packers. But they they Lenore kind of got banished to the bench and then like Drake or Patrick's playing and just not playing well at all, and it was like you know what's happening like are these guys did you draft the wrong guys and are they so bad that you can't get them on the field or is something going on with the coaching staff to where like they're not doing a good enough job developing these guys and getting them ready 
because mm-hmm. no matter what, something's wrong there, right? If those guys, if if Drake Kirkpatrick is playing over those guys, and Drake Kirkpatrick being you know responsible for two of the the most embarrassing plays of the season, and that touchdown he allowed to Pittman um, in that Colts game, and then getting run over by third string running back Eno Benjamin um, in mm-hmm. the second half of that Arizona game. So now it's like okay, now maybe they're serious about playing and developing their rookies because even if like you don't trust those guys fully to like cover people Diamador Lenore is going to be more competent than like he's going to be more competitive than Drake Kirkpatrick was in those situations just because he's a more talented player right like it's it's yes it was like it's just basic football stuff like just put the better player out there and like you drafted him for a reason, let him play, you know? So now with Kirkpatrick out of the picture, it's like, all right, if they deal with an injury somewhere, at least they feel inclined. They, they feel like the rookies are to the point where they could play them, which feels right. like a significant step, even though just on its face, like releasing Drake Kirkpatrick shouldn't feel like a big move, but it does in this context because those guys need to play. They're going to be a big part of this team going forward. And there's probably going to be some point this year where somebody gets hurt. Um, or, you know, like Josh Norman could blow up again, like he did it against mm-hmm. the Cardinals and the 49ers could say we've had enough. And then one of those dudes could be starting the rest of the way. And so now, you know, releasing Kirkpatrick allows that to happen. One more thing on the rookies and then we'll get to the pick six. Mm-hmm. Monday night was the first time all year that every member of the 49ers 2021 draft class suited up. And Trey Lance was the only player to not play. So Aaron Banks made his NFL debut on special teams. He got four snaps. Congrats. Um, Trey Sermon fair caught a kickoff on a, on a short kick. He wasn't back to return the kick. No, no. Uh, he was, he was one of the up men and caught the kickoff. I don't know why. Uh, Embry Thomas played some on special teams. Like, couldn't he, couldn't he have gotten like seven more yards? I'm guessing that they're coached. If it gets kicked to you just to fair catch it. Yeah, fair. That's my. I mean, he is a you running ask, back. You should ask. You should ask. Uh, High Tower tomorrow. Ht. Yeah. Yeah. I'll ask. He's. Uh. He talks on Wednesday every Wednesday now. Um. Yeah. It'll be interesting with, with Sermon. It'll be interesting because he has a strong possibility of playing a lot mm-hmm. over the next couple of weeks if Mitchell can't play on uh, on Sunday against Jacksonville. Hey, we got to talk about tick pick because the 49ers are back in the thick of the playoff race. And they're on the road in Jacksonville for week 11. But if they win that game, they're at 500 and they're coming home to face the Minnesota Vikings who are going to be right there with them in the playoff chase. And that game in week 12 at Levi Stadium against the Minnesota Vikings could go a long way toward determining uh, playoff seating and whether one of those teams either does or does not get into the playoffs. Kyle Shanahan talked about it. Players talked about it, how awesome the fans were on Monday Night Football. And the Niners are going to need that in week 12 against a good Minnesota Vikings team. Chris, I actually used tick pick over the weekend when I was in Arizona, I'm hanging out with a buddy of mine and we didn't have a plan. That was our running bit is that I went and visited him in Arizona. We didn't have a plan. We're hanging out and we're sitting there Saturday night. We're like, Hey, the Cardinals are at home tomorrow. Let's go Panthers in town. Cam Newton on the sideline. We didn't know Cam was going to play. Like, yeah, let's go, let's go hang out and watch watch Cardinals Panthers. And he goes, Okay, well, I'll check and see tickets. Well, I said, I got this. So I went to TickPick, I looked at it and found great prices. And I told him, 
Hey, here's how much the tickets are. It's just get in the door. You know, we don't, we don't need to sit on the 50 yard line or anything. Just getting in the door. And he said, okay, but what's like the actual price? So what are you talking about? That's the price. And he said, no, no, no. After all the fees and stuff, like how much is this going to cost me? And I said, dude, this is tick pick, bro. They've eliminated the fees. This price I'm showing you is the price that it is. We're going to go sit in there and we're going to drink expensive beer and we're going to watch PJ uh, Walker and Cam Newton light up the Cardinals. I didn't say that because I didn't know Cam was going to play, but you get it. That's what we ended up doing. It was an incredible time. And you can have that same incredible time at Levi Stadium in week 12 when the 49ers host the Minnesota Vikings if you just go to TickPick. They've eliminated all those service fees to make the tickets so much more expensive than they look. It is the best ticket buying experience that you can have. If you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 100% of the difference in the purchase price. And you can visit TickPick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's right. Hit up TickPick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get to the pick six. Should we like develop some pick six music? Like, let's get to the pick six and then like play like a five five second music track. And then like, all right, now we're in pick six. Maybe like some background music. Yeah, just a little bit. We could have like the intro music and then some like background music. Totally. Yeah, that's that's radio production one on one. We can make that happen (laughs) for sure. We could talk with we could talk with Tyler about that. Yeah, we'll do that. Tyler's our excellent manager, editor guy. Yeah. He does everything. Like, he literally, if I have a problem, I go to He's Tyler. so good, we don't know exactly what his title is. But... I Legitimately, I'm just like, <laughs> I got a problem. Ah, Tyler, fix it. And he does. It's incredible. Yep. yep. The pick six, Um, I won this week. Spoiler yeah, you dominated. I, I didn't have, like, a bad week, but you just picked all the right guys. I, I had the two correct guys to have. 
So if you're new to the bit, on every preview pod that comes out on Friday, Chris and I each pick three players that we think are going to have a good game for the 49ers. We go snake draft style. And um, he picks three, I pick three. And this week you started with Nick Bosa with the first overall pick. You had a sack, number eight for the season. Mm-hmm. Went off his career high. Good game. Not a yeah. bad game. Not really a standout got, game, but he did have a sack. I'm very anti the Nick Bosa's getting held crowd, but there yeah. were a couple really egregious ones last night that probably kept him right. from getting another sack or two. Right. Like every pass rusher gets held a lot. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of part of the gig, but there was a couple last night where he's like wrapped up around the neck. Yeah. And there was no, there was no call, but yeah. he's a good, good player. Nick Bosa. He's going to impact a lot of games. My first pick, the number two overall pick, Debo Samuel. Five carries, 32 yards, and a rushing touchdown. He had five catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. The most impressive thing to me was the five rushes weren't like jet sweeps or weird motions or anything. They were just lining him up as a running back and handing him the ball. Mm-hmm. And get the ball in the hands of your best players, and the 49ers are finding creative ways to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's it takes a unique football mind to like look at a receiver like Debo and be like, Oh yeah, we're just going to give him carries. You know, we're going to give him like six, seven carries like out of the backfield. In addition to all of his responsibilities as a receiver. Yeah. Like that's very unique. And the way he runs and the way he finishes his runs is super unique. And it just sort of embodies the physical brand. The 49ers want to play with. Like there was one I tweeted, I quote tweeted about it today. Somebody posted a clip and it was like that eight yard run to the left, um, up the left sideline. The Niners got into the red zone, I think. And it wasn't like, you know, it was an eight yard gain or whatever, but like five Rams defenders were on the ground, including Aaron Donald, who Daniel Brunskill took to the ground. And then Alex Mack had a pancake of a defensive lineman. Uh, I think Lake and Tomlinson had one. Trent Williams had one. And then towards the end, Jawan Jennings, I, I think it was Taylor Rapp or another uh, defensive back, just pancake. Like the, the whole team was just pancaking dudes. And when you have when you have blockers capable of doing that and then somebody finishing those runs like Debo Samuel does, that can just be devastating. Mm-hmm. You know, like that can be demoralizing when you when you, when you can like when you're going up against an offense that is willing to have a 15 play drive and just get four, four to seven yards per carry on the drive. And they're just hitting you in the face over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, Samuel's a really unique talent. And, uh, and the fact that he can make these plays downfield now in the passing game, and then now be used as like a running back when the 49ers clearly need more depth at running back. Like it's impressive. It's really impressive. And it's not like it's a secret. There's two and three guys around him, and he's just making plays. He's just, like when he gets a full head of steam, he's just so hard to tackle in the secondary. And like yeah. he he'd catch a ball on the run and then go break three tackles. Yeah, he's just a really good player. And the chain the chain was cool. Like chain's was, really cool. <laughs> there was a moment like he's so Jason Verrett got got the team this chain. It's like the playmakers chain. And I, I'm guessing it's not real. Like I know Jason Verrett's made a lot of money, but like, 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is real. I, I would be curious to find out if it was real. It's like the size of, I don't know. I'm. It's it's That's enormous. It. You've seen the chain. audio medium. <laughs> yeah, I, try, I, know, I can't even. I don't. Even, it's like a plate. It's like a. I would say like a helmet, it, like, a, like the like size a, of a plate. Like maybe like a like a coffee saucer, like a tea saucer. Maybe. I think it's bigger than that. Like it's maybe a small plate, like an appetizer appetizer plate. You're holding your hands really, really far apart. It was big. It was big. It's a, like but a anyway, bread plate. Maybe. I mean, so there there was a moment after he scored the second touchdown where he's wearing it and he's like walking around the sideline and like celebrating with his teammates and stuff. And the jumbotron is on him. And then you hear the crowd start chanting Debo, Debo. And he looks up and he sees himself on the crowd on the jumbotron with the chain and then puts finds the camera and puts the big smile on and holds the chain up and now it's like a it's like a viral meme every great still shot yeah <laughs> yeah but it was just it was just one of those like really cool moments like inside a stadium like i think the one another one that sort of reminds me of that when like bosa sacked Kirk cousins in the playoff game in 2019 and he might have been hurt for a second and then the entire crowd starts chanting bosa and then he just hops up and he's like not hurt but it was like the crowd goes nuts. It was like one of those situations where it was like a palpable, like cool moment in the yeah. stadium because there have been like, frankly, there have been so few of those this year. Right. Yeah. Um, but that was like, wow, they're going to win a game. And here's Debo cheesing with like the most ridiculous chain ever. That's also kind of a cool sideline prop. <laughs> I kind of feel like in, I feel like in 2019, there was a lot of that stuff. There were like a lot of like sayings and t-shirts and the boom box and stuff. Yeah. So it's cool to see them have one of those little, one of the little like like shticks yeah, this year. For sure. Uh third pick, your second pick, George Kittle. The do you here's this is my take on Kittles. Five catches, fifty yards, a touchdown, but like a really loud five catches and fifty yards. Like yeah, he was like, just super like every catch was super meaningful. I feel like all, all of his catches came on third down. If it wasn't, I would, bu- I'll buy that. And I'm not even going to look it up. I mean, his touchdown was definitely on third down. I think on that first yeah. drive, he converted two. Um, So that's at least three. Right. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it would, he's a very impactful player. Yeah. And, you and it's make- really, it's really clear that he was definitely hurt early in the year. Yeah. He's just, agree. he's, yeah. he's, it's one of those, it feels like it's very, very, very difficult for them to have a good offensive game when they don't have him. I totally agree. Like they can win, but they like need him to play really well offensively. Yeah. So Kittle could play. And he was good as a blocker last night too. There was that viral clip of him flat backing Von Miller. Yeah, there was. There was. Who'd All right. You get? Um, fourth pick, my second pick, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, three catches for 26 yards. He had a nice broken tackle where he gained some additional yards and didn't fumble, which is which is a big deal. Yeah. But you would I ideally I think he'd be he would he would be more statistically productive. But in a game where the quarterback's only throwing it 19 times and Ayuk, even even at his best, he's going to be, I think, third behind Debo Samuel and George Kittle. I think you're just going to kind of see some some games like that from him where it's not like he's in the doghouse. It's not like he didn't play well. There's there's 19 targets to go around and, and 12 of them are going to the top two guys. And also, like, it's a really quick passing game, right? Mm-hmm. It's like 
get the ball out as quickly as possible to avoid the pass rush. And a lot of that stuff was designed. So in a quick passing game, you have a hard time to get to, uh, you know, number three in your progression a lot of the time. Yeah. So I use that third guy more times than not right now. Good way to nullify Aaron Donald is to just make sure he doesn't have time to get into the backfield. Yeah. And that's what the 49ers did. Your final pick, fifth overall, Jeff Wilson Jr. We mentioned him earlier. Yeah, I, I made this pick because I thought he could provide like a spark and um and give something. He did. Yeah, he did. He did provide a spark. Like I like I said earlier, I just think they need to have more than one running back. And really, mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell had been the only one. And I think, you know, that contributed to the team's struggles. Not that Elijah Mitchell's bad, but you just need somebody else because Mitchell's been hurt. And you just you just need somebody else because you're not going to be able to run the ball 40 times a game with just one guy. Um, well, he's a- so, yeah, Wilson's important. I mean, they, they need his physicality. They need uh, they need what he can bring them in short yardage. I think his demeanor and his. Um, his attitude's infectious and Kyle Shanahan said on the conference call today he was like you know the his the way he plays really rubs off on his teammates and he's one of the more well-liked guys in the locker room so I think getting him back out there is important and and even though he only had 28 yards on 10 carries he still managed 10 carries which is a big deal because the 49ers have not had a secondary running back that they can that they can trust and count on because Trey Sermon's not that guy yet apparently and I think it was the way he runs too. Like he's not fun to tackle. I bet. No. And that stuff, like that's go look at Derek Henry's splits in the second half versus the first half. Like that stuff matters. And when you're a team that's being, you're a defense that's being run on 44 times, and ten of those are a guy who's gonna finish his run hard. And not to say Elijah Mitchell doesn't, but Jeff Wilson is a little more mass to him. I, that those 10 carries I think were, were effective, even if they, they didn't produce a ton of yards. Yeah. And I was really impressed too. And this doesn't really fit in the pick six, but going back to Kyle Shanahan real quick, like when it wasn't a running back getting the carry and they would have, you know, Jeff Wilson jr. Line up in line as a tight end or, mm-hmm. you know, move Kyle, use all over the place. Like, there there aren't a ton of running backs you'd feel comfortable putting in that spot and jeff wilson's yeah. one of them yeah. like this big angry dude who's like gonna go block a linebacker like that's not every running back if they Debo's, did a lot of that yeah if debo with samuels behind him getting the carry and not him you know what i mean so that was mm-hmm. it's about buy-in and physicality and stuff like that and and jeff wilson jr brings that so he sure does sixth and final pick my third pick best Jimmy pick Ward. of the best pick of the week yeah, I th- best pick maybe yet of the pick six. Yeah, um, yeah. we we've been predicting a Jimmy Ward interception like every week, <laughs> <laughs> and and I didn't predict an interception, much less two, much less a pick six on the second one, but um, that's what he did, and yep. he was uh, he 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 was the the catalyst for a 49ers blowout win. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just a good player. And yeah. like the thing, the thing is, is, you know, he hasn't gotten many interceptions, but it's not like he's dropping like three every week either. Like a lot of yeah. times I think opposing quarterbacks recognize that he's just 
very good at his job and being in the right place. Like Jimmy Ward is very rarely not in the right place. So like yeah. when you're when your assignment sound, you're not going to get targeted a whole lot. And so mm-hmm. I think that plays into the fact that he hasn't gotten these interceptions. But it's you know, it's the 49ers need him to, to make plays because they don't have many playmakers in the secondary right now. And they, they need him to be that guy. And and when he was that guy, they have a blowout and, you know, their biggest win of the season against a good team. So Jimmy yep. Ward's a good player, also an, a very underrated tackler. And I think we saw that when he wasn't on the field in there against Arizona. Yeah. Um, good point. So, yeah. Like those big plays, the, the James Conner screen and stuff. Like I, I, I would think that Jimmy Ward would go a long way to preventing those big plays from happening. And, and the Rams didn't have those big plays last night. That's a good point. I'm glad Jimmy Ward played because you gave me an opportunity to have a backup pick in the event that he didn't play. Mm-hmm. And Samson Abukam was my backup pick and mm-hmm. couldn't even tell you if he played. Can I give not, uh, an, not a super impactful game for the former Ram? I want to shout out two players who we haven't mentioned yet, who I think had good games. Please. Um, DJ Jones. Mm. Or making the play on the fake field goal, which was just a completely stupid fake field goal from Sean McVay. But DJ Jones making that play in space, looking like a linebacker at 300 pounds. It's insane. It was just like he lined up at nose guard on the field goal and then peeled out and made the play. And also Demetrius Flanagan fouls. He wasn't the guy I wanted to mention, but he needs to be mentioned on that fake field goal yeah. for for covering the, the other eligible receivers in the touchdown. Because I think was in the end zone. Cause I think Sean McVay was, was trying to score a touchdown with that fake field goal. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so Flanagan fouls preve- being in coverage there, preventing that throw from even happening, forcing Hecker to go to his check down. And then DJ Jones being able to make the tackle was one of the bigger plays in the game. Um, and so Kyle Shanahan mentioned it today. It was like, it was such a good play. <laughs> and, uh, and Shanahan is, doesn't usually talk in those, in those terms. So it was, um, that was a good play. And another one is Aziz Alshire, who just really like good. kind of thumps people. Like he tackles with, I think, as much force, if not more force than anybody on the defense right now. Mm-hmm. And he can miss some tackles and have some games where he where he's off. Um, but he was really good last night. And uh, and so I think he deserves a shout out. He's he's shown signs of being a a potential, you know, above average starting linebacker in the league which would be a really nice development for the 49ers because you know Drake Greenlaw has been hurt and I mean if you have three really good linebackers it's obviously not a bad thing to have given you mostly play two linebackers at all times um so three is more than two and three of them is is having three good ones is better than having two good ones um so that's my analysis on Aziz Alshara but (laughs) (laughs) you did have a good game it's so it's so important to control the middle of the field in the NFL now yeah. And that's part of why they were so good in 2019 and Al Shire flying around with Fred Warner and Fred Warner, I think was, was really good last night as well, or on Monday night as well. Um, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. They had a really nice defensive game when their, their top two linebackers were, were playing well. Agreed. Congrats on your big pick six win. Thanks. It's it, huge for me. I'm going to go call my folks and let them know. Debo it's like winning star Baker. It's like winning oh. Star Baker and Great British Baking Show. I just feel great about it. Great. No, just that's a no, show that's that people gonna, watch. It's a yeah, I watch it a lot actually. In fact, oh, okay. I'm gonna after this, I'm gonna go downstairs, I'm gonna eat dinner, and I'm gonna watch that. Okay. 
Yeah, the Warriors up 21 on the Nets. Steph Curry just hit another 30 footer. Yeah. Warriors <laughs> good are good. That guy. Warriors are really, um, really good. So that's going to do it for us. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, weird week this week because of the Monday night game. But do, do we want to say who's uh, what's going to drop? I mean, we, we posted the pictures on social media. Good point. But... Yeah, no, really, really good point by you. Um, Patrick Willis joining the podcast and you called it the, your favorite podcast we've done. I think it's uh, like in turn, it was, it's just probably my favorite episode we've had because of just how honest and forthcoming and expansive Patrick Willis was, um, you know, like he hit like he hit on some tough subjects and he was willing to talk about them. And, um, you know, like when you cover guys who are in the league, they, you know, they're very guarded. They don't always, um, not that they like lie to you, but they're just in interviews and stuff. They say their platitudes and, um, and things like that. And, and, you know, it's, it's just different when it's Patrick Willis, who's super introspective and, um, gone through a lot and made a really difficult decision and has been in some, you know, weird times in his life and, and talk about that with us was just awesome. And, and, you know, like I think 49ers fans, they know what Patrick Willis is all about, but hearing him talk about, um, you know, what it was like to be teammates with Frank Gore and what he learned from Bryant Young during his rookie season and like the difference between, you know, being a good player and a quote unquote dog and like telling us stories about like Brett going against Brett Favre in a preseason game. It was just a really, really, really good pot. He like at one point telling stories. At one point, we're like, go ahead, man. Just keep talking. This is all you don't have to apologize for (laughs) spitting flames like just. So that that comes out that comes out Thursday. So a check your feeds for that episode. It's really good yeah. because of Patrick Willis. Nothing that Chris and I did. Um, so watch out for that, and then we'll have our preview pod for the 49ers Jags game coming out on Friday. So a ton of content in the condensed week. We really appreciate you guys for listening. Tell your friends, subscribe, rate, review if you have not done that, and we will talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.